welcome to the broadcast. I am Marla Martinson, your mystical matchmaker and boundary coach, and I'm with the amazing Martha Bodyfelt, divorce coach and dating coach as well. Hey, Martha, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great, and I'm so happy to be back talking to you, Marla. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about, and I can't wait to share that with your audience. We've got a lot to cover and Martha's been on the podcast before and we've talked about, you know, breakups and she's really um, an expert in people going through a divorce, women going through a divorce and, and, you know, Martha, I've worked with you, you know, uh, you guys, Martha was my coach and, and um, gosh, it's interesting how I see myself uh it's been hard for me, you know, Martha, it's been hard for me to, it's been a year and a half really yeah. since I've been separated. It's been hard for me to admit, yeah. admit that I'm getting a divorce, admit that my 20 year marriage is over, admit that I don't live in Los Angeles anymore, admit that it's like, I kind yeah. of dance around this and I'm sure there's women out there and yeah. the holidays are coming. So you guys, I wanted to have Martha on to talk about this delicate time, I mean, last Christmas was the first Christmas I was without my husband in 20 years. We had our same routine and I cried the whole day. It was miserable. I sat at dinner with some family members crying. I mean, I'm sure I didn't make their Christmas any joy, you know, and, and so there's a lot of women out there who are going through a breakup, maybe uh, have gone through it, can't get over it. So Martha, I know you've got a lot of great juicy um, tips on how we can make it a little easier. I mean, I know it's not going to be like nothing happened, but what do you have to say on this topic? Right. Absolutely. So I think that there's there's a couple things. And before I was a dating and relationship coach for women over, over 40, 40 and better, I spent quite a bit of time um, learning my craft as a certified coach, working in the divorce coaching and divorce recovery coaching sphere. And so I did that for about six to seven years. And the holidays, as somebody who, it seems like ancient history, but as somebody about 12, 13 years ago, um, whose husband left right during the Christmas season, I can totally relate to just kind of like the crazy drama and just the crazy kind of like rawness of emotions that we're, that we're all going through. So there are, I think, a couple of things that I would just kind of offer your audience, and then we can we can talk about that a little bit more. So I think the number one one is, is that... Be very careful of selective memory, because whether this is your first Christmas without your spouse, whether this is your your fifth Christmas without your spouse, and you are still grieving, and you're still being triggered, understand that the things that you're thinking of, well, I remember when we bought the Christmas tree, or I remember when the kids were opening, were opening the presents, and all this and that, understand that that is your memory playing tricks on you. Were those good times? Yes. But what your memory is doing and why that is coming to the forefront of your mind is because it is actually your mind's way of protecting you from remembering all the terrible, horrible things. Because remember the holiday, you know, we don't think about right away when there was a fight or when, you know, your maybe your ex-husband threw a plate or your child started to cry. And there's just all these terrible memories that we, when we are no longer in that marriage, we aren't thinking about because we're doing that almost as like a form of survival that our brain is actually putting that to the forefront. So that is when we get nostalgic. That is when we get whimsical. That is when we want to reach out and text our ex saying, Oh, well, I hope you're having a Merry Christmas. You know, Oh, do you remember X, Y, Z? So understand 
that you are going to be subject to selective memory. And that is just something that your mind is doing to kind of protect you from the trauma that you are actually experiencing, which may have led to the divorce. So that is my first thing is just be very, very aware of that. And what you can do with that is if you start getting whimsical or you start remembering only the good stuff, you have the permission and the responsibility to tell yourself, look, there were good times, but there is a reason that you were not celebrating Christmas with that spouse. There is a reason now that you are not with that spouse because you guys are no longer aligned. You're no longer compatible. And so just bring yourself back to that so you didn't get stuck in what I call the selective memory. Yeah. So number, yeah. So that would be my first one. Um, I think my my second kind of um my second kind of offering to the audience is that cut off contact. And I know Marla, that is something that you and I have talked about before when we were coaching <laughs> together. This is something that I work with with my clients as well. That cut unless you are in a situation where you have joint custody and you are trying to figure out that you know for some reason if you're splitting the kids during Christmas which I don't know the divorce lawyers that I know and the family meteors I know that doesn't happen usually but let's say it does and you know you have your kids and you know your kids are under 18 you have your kids for Christmas Eve and then you have to drop them off at the ex's or the soon-to-be ex's house on Christmas day that as far as any transactional or co-parenting that is literally the only contact you should be having with your spouse. Cut your contact with your spouse. You don't need to text him to say, oh, I wish you a Merry Christmas or, oh, do you remember so-and-so? No, because what you're doing is you're reopening the wound. And or what, what about, I want to interject here. What about people? Some people stay good friends. Yeah. You know, I talk, cause I'm a matchmaker. I'm interviewing women constantly, right. you know, hundred thousands of women and, and, uh, and they, t I ask, you know, what's your situation? Divorce. And, and yesterday a woman said, yeah, I'm divorced, but we're great friends. We just weren't aligned. We talk, we, so, and that's with me. I had that, that hope that I really, oh, we're still going to be, we're still family. We can't get along, but we, we're not aligned, but we're still, I still love, I'll, I'll be there. I'll, but where he's more like, I don't want to talk to you as you know, so much. He will respond, but, but I'm the right. one like, oh, I'm the one still sending birthday gift. I send him elaborate birthday gift. I'm sure I, cause I can't imagine not doing that. And then, but I never even got a birthday card for my birthday. <laughs> right. So, so there's, okay, there's yeah. a couple things. Let's okay. go ahead. Um, yeah. So uh, let me address that. it. What if you're friends and then we can address, then we can address kind of your situation. Yeah. Um, I will be doing this as a as 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 from a standpoint of a mentor and a consultant and not yeah. necessarily like coaching through that. But like yeah. so let's go back to well what if we're still friends? I guarantee you that that first shit show of a separation when you realize that you are no longer aligned with one another, you're not feeling friendly. So what I would advise, and this is something that I had gone through with my own separation over 10 years ago, and something that I have seen my clients as well as good friends who are going through a separation or a breakup or a divorce as well, especially during the holidays, is if you are still grieving that relationship, and if you can't have a conversation without afterwards breaking down into tears, you yeah. cannot, do not be friends with that person till then. Because okay. friendship 
is going to have an equal balance of it, it should be balanced. And if you're still crying and you're still grieving, and if you're still on the hopioid of hopioid, hey, yes, you know what? Maybe hopioid. we will get back. That's a hopioid. That's what we call it. If you're still on the hopioid, you shouldn't be friends with that person. Oh, Bottom line, gosh. full stop, because it only is going to guarantee just problems for you and a lack of healing. However, like you'd said, you had a client that says, yeah, we're good friends. That is great if you're able to heal and move on and after you've done that process, but you can't do that process if you're still at ground zero. Oh, what's this? Oh, do you want to come over? Oh, do you remember this? Do you remember that? And you guys are still fighting or you are still very much having strong feelings for this person and you're still grieving. Bottom line, you can't be friends with somebody where you're still grieving their loss. You can't be friends with somebody if you're still hoping that they want to be married with you. You can't be friends with somebody if there's a chance that you're going to sleep with them and get into that whole emotional kind of spiral again. You can't be friends with them that way. Now, if you are beyond that and you're great co-parents and, you know, all of that, yeah, you can be friends with them. But most women who are going through separation are not at that stage yet. So don't play that game. You're only setting yourself up for failure and for delayed healing, which yeah. could take years and years, years more than you need it to. It's delayed. Yeah, it does delay the healing because it took me just until recently, I couldn't walk into a, a Target, a Home Depot, a Best Buy, a, mm -hmm. a mall, a play, you know, without breaking down because those are the places that we go together yeah. on Sundays and do our errands for years. And the smell, and it's so interesting, mm -hmm. the smell of places because every Best Buy, every Target, every Home Depot smells the same where at whatever city you're in or state, yeah. they're laid out the same. So you can just pick think you're in that you know same places and and it's very hard so I kind of sometimes I'd go in and break down and have to go out to the car and break down and sometimes I'd say well I better not go in there but I I will say that now I am able to go I'm going in without breaking down so it does because I know there's a lot of women who it takes a it just seems like it's never gonna clear and end and you don't see that light at the end of the tunnel how long with your clients Martha do you would you see that it would take them to, to kind of heal how, because some people might think, well, how long does this take? I mean, typical, you know, it's different for everybody. Right. Right. So no, it's a great, great question. And as much as everybody loves to have the, you know, the estimation or the approximation or the range um, from, from a coach, because, and that gives them something to kind of checkbox, you can't checkbox your healing. But here's what I can give you, and here's what I can give your client, what I, your clients as well as your audience, is that your success at healing and moving on is directly proportional to the amount of effort you put in to healing and moving on. Now, the amount of effort you're putting into healing and moving on is not texting your fucking husband. Pardon my French. Can I speak on this podcast? I don't know. Can I swear yeah. on this podcast? Yes. I don't know. Okay. And yeah. so if you are texting your ex, if you're saying, oh, do you remember this time? If you're feeling alone at home and you're like, I'll never get on with my life X, Y, Z, and you're not doing anything to take control of your healing, it's going to be a lot harder. Mm -hmm. I have worked with women who were divorced for 10 years. But because they never took charge of their healing and they never got the help they needed, whether it was talking to a good therapist, whether it was going to a support group that was not a bitch session, but was actually action oriented, or even going with the divorce coach, a divorce recovery coach, or throwing themselves into things that they love, like pursuing their passions or their hobbies or putting themselves first or reclaiming their lives, which most women haven't been able to do, certainly women of a certain age, if you are not doing that, 
healing is going to be very, very hard for you. And so here's what I like to say, that I see divorce recovery and recovery from from grief of 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 a of the ending of a relationship is much like a shattered foot. Now I love to use this example because when I was on the art when I was in the army, I was doing a 15 mile ruck march and I shattered my foot in the middle of it. Didn't know the foot was shattered and I finished the foot uh, 15 mile ruck march. So never asked me to go hiking, but that's my own trauma I work through. But um, but here's the thing: if you break your foot. And if you just continue to walk on the foot and walk on the foot, eventually, most likely your bones are going to heal, but they may not be healing in a way where you can properly walk and properly use that foot again. However, when that foot is in a cast for five or six weeks, or if the foot is so shattered that you have to put a plate in it, and, you know, then you go to physical therapy for, you know, a good month or two months, and you continue to do those exercises after physical therapy, what happens? Your foot gets stronger your foot actually goes back to the same kind of operability and even greater range of motion. And sometimes even better than the foot, most of the time even better as somebody who's broken her foot twice, stronger than the foot had it, had it never been broken. So why am I bringing this up? I'm not an orthopedic surgeon, but what I am is, is a survivor of a messy divorce who was actually able to successfully years later, successfully find love, love and secure love again. Mm -hmm. However, the amount is going to depend on what you are doing for yourself. And I know, unfortunately, a lot of times women, when they do divorce, they become like the single moms or they become the primary caretaker or the primary um, caregiver of the children. And what they do is they put all of that effort on raising the kids, which is great, but then you're neglecting yourself. And so I've seen that happen with a lot of women who feel stuck. They've been divorced for five years, 10 years, well after their kids have gone to college, and they're still not able to move on. They're not dating, or if they are, they're finding men that are horrible for them, who are no better, who treat them maybe even worse than their husbands, because yeah. they have not done the work. And so I cannot tell you, and I cannot tell your clients, because that just would not be responsible as a coach, oh, you know what, in three months, but here's what I can tell you you will no longer have that horrible, that epicenter of pain, like, like the nuclear epicenter, like after like a, you know, nuclear explosion, you are not, that is still, that is not going to feel nearly as bad. And the intensity of that goes away. The more you put yourself first, the more you invest in that. And so even that can even go away and that can be, that can be minimized even in a couple of months. Yeah. But it's up to you and it's up to, it's up to, you know, you know, for, for the, the person going through divorce, for the woman to take responsibility for her own healing. And you're not doing that when you're going through selective memory. You're not doing that when you're contacting your ex, unless it's for co-parenting. Mm -hmm. Simply not going to happen. Yeah. And, and you brought up dating and um, it's, it's interesting. Like I, I you know, I couldn't even th think of getting on a, you know, going on a date and talk, you know, but, but some, uh, what do you see with that? I mean, I, I know men sometimes will jump right in. They don't want to be alone, but the women will take more time to work on themselves. Um, also right. when you talked about, uh, you know, doing the work and cleaning up those patterns, because we do tend to a lot of the women, um, the narcissistic word comes up a lot, uh, lately and, yeah were verbal, verbally abused, emotionally abused or whatever. And, yep. uh, it's, it's familiar. It's what we know. And we seem to repeat those patterns. So what do you suggest so that a woman doesn't step into that doo-doo again, <laughs> step into that? No, dog absolutely. Practice. No, it's, it's, it's wonderful. No. And I'm, I'm really happy that you asked that because chances are 
if you are stepping into that, that those you are replicating patterns that probably started before you even started to date before you were even married and you are replicating patterns that you possibly saw and noticed and picked up when you were young and it was probably from dysfunctional family dynamics it was probably from and there's a great amount of work dealing with this now like with somatic healing and look at like trigger point healing and things like that um but it is you are probably replicating like if you're a people pleaser um and so you are going to be and you're you find yourself kind of drawing to um men who are you know emotionally abusive and you're just kind of placating them it is almost getting very clear and well why am i doing that why am i a people pleaser well it's probably a people pleaser if that was how you were rewarded when you were little if you came from a chaotic home but you were a little girl who got good grades that might have been the only time that you felt safe and you felt good and you were actually getting recognition from your parents was when you were doing something when you were being the good girl mm -hmm. and so looking at well why was that going back to what family patterns might have caused me to be like this and then whether it is with neuro-linguistic programming whether it's going to a good therapist whether it's I would love to have audience members who are struggling with this join me in my ready for love group coaching program that's going to start again in February going through this. And so as not to attract men again, who are no longer aligned with you. And this says, this is the, you know, the wonderful fellows in the audience too, um, who may have been, you know, attracted or keep getting into patterns with the same type of, you know, women who no longer, who don't align with them. It is to recognize what did I like about the past relationships? What made me feel good? What did I not like about yeah. myself? What maybe did I contribute to the fall of a relationship what do I believe about myself? And this is the main one here. What do I believe about myself that no longer is serving me? We call them limiting beliefs, or I like to call them beliefs that you've grown out of, yeah. that you are trying to mold yourself into, such as, I am not worthy. This is the only person that I can get. How do you want to rework that to make it healthy? What are my patterns of self-sabotage yeah. that I need to stop? And getting very clear on that, so then you can put in reprogramming of healthier narratives that are going to form that are going to help you and repel you from going and dating men who are no who are different who are no better than your than your ex husband. Because what I've seen that is if folks who are with narcissists, they've usually been with narcissists. So there's a pattern there, and so the pattern is and the commonality is that person. So what is it that you're doing that is maybe, you know, that has drawn you to men like that? And so and it has to start with you. The, the interesting thing is, because I was uh, since high school, I mean, for 40 years of that type of uh, personality, uh, I would be gravitated to and get involved with. And, and you don't in the beginning, sometimes in the beginning, you can, the flags are there, but you just don't really want to see it because they're guys so cute sure. or whatever. Or, oh, and yeah. then other times. They always are. Other yeah. times it seems no perfectly normal for a few months in and then you're and then you're in and you you're like oh god and then you're in love and you've moved in and then you see the signs and it's a yeah. big yeah mess and um like with me I just it's I could never get around it I could never get things would happen with the, uh, you know, I remember I was married to a man in my, uh, thirties for seven years and it was just the, the put downs and insults and, and, yeah. and diminishing. And, and I, I, I guess it would just hit me so many times, like in shock. And then you don't know what to say and you try to fight back, but it doesn't work. And then you look like a, um, immature for trying to fight back. And so that's a lot of work 
around this narcissistic thing and and um but it, it's a big I, th I think you said that most of your clients that that would come to you the women have been involved with a narcissistic type of a uh, man certainly and that seems to be the uh, the pattern that if they had a boyfriend who was a narcissist and then they had a husband who was a narcissist and maybe when they were dating afterwards they may have been dating maybe have been dating narcissists so when when they came to me when I when I was working more in the the sphere of divorce recovery it was you know these women who were very successful professionally successful have you know pretty good friends pretty good families um you know adult kids that they that they get along with and are good relationships with but their self-esteem and their self-worth was like non-existent because they had been in these abusive relationships for years if not decades and didn't even know they just didn't even have that muscle because it'd been completely erased from this abusive relationship and so the work that that i that i was very privileged and i was very lucky to do working within divorce recovery was to help women regain their confidence for them not for dating not for this but for themselves and a lot of women i would say especially women at midlife women 40 and better were never even taught or conditioned to be able to stick up for themselves or to define what it is that I want to do. Because we as women are usually, well, I always have to take care of everybody. I always have to do everything for everybody else. And to put yourself first and to figure out what you like was just considered a very selfish thing. And yeah. so the beautiful work that I get to do is helping women rewire that belief system so they don't fall into those patterns again. Or so it take it doesn't take them years and years and years to recover from their, you know, from their from their abusive uh, their abusive relationship. And so it is about rewiring that belief system because we, and probably you as a matchmaker, you know, probably work with folks who you know that they're still operating on these old scripts that no longer work. Yeah. And unless you fix that and unless you rebuild your self-esteem and you rebuild your self-worth, you will continue to be in relationships that are not healthy for you. Like full stop. And even if you find a wonderful person, a Prince Charming, your self-sabotage mm -hmm. might jeopardize that relationship even if it is with a wonderful man and so you have to work on that it starts with you yeah we have and and i found that it's in the body it's more not even in the, the head you can't nobody can tell you enough nobody can oh, you yeah. can't read enough it's 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 located in the body and i oh, find yeah. that that releasing that i what i did was hot yoga i started hot yoga in uh april and it was i think it was april 1st and i couldn't stop crying i couldn't stop yeah. and i said marla what do you need and i heard the word hot yoga i'd never done hot yoga and uh, i've showed up i've done yoga but not hot yoga and i don't like heat <laughs> um and i showed up and it was hard as hell and um even now when i go in the middle I'll say, I think I'm going to quit my membership, but then I still show up because the, it, oh, yeah. it releases. I, and I cried, I allowed myself, ladies, allow yourself to cry. If you have to cry for a year or two years, mm -hmm. I found that I was, uh, that six months of hot yoga, which I'm still continuing, but, um, I felt like it was clearing out 40 years of trauma of, of, it was from the crying, from the sweating, from the moving, from the poses that, that. Uh, are designed to expel uh, toxins from each organ mm -hmm. and the lymphatic system and everything. So that was for me, but there's many things that you, you would had mentioned some of them, uh, somatic uh, work or, you know, different EMDR. Right. I think there's hypnosis, different mm -hmm. things. Like, like MER. Yeah. We, or, yeah. We need to work with, with the body as well. I, I think. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you're saying with the, and I, I, oh my God, I practiced at the Bikram yoga, the hot yoga for, for years. And I had the same experience. And I think, I think it's a wonderful kind of, that's, that, that's, that, that's the first step. That's the foundational of expelling it. But if you have not programmed to not do anything that's different, unfortunately, it might be, you're going to always have to go and you're always going to be collecting those toxins that you're going to have to expel. So yes, absolutely expel. But then two, number two is reprogram. Yes. Wonderful. Now, are you not working with divorced ladies anymore? Or are you more doing the? So I am working with divorced women so much as one of the beautiful things that I, I was, I witnessed as a divorce recovery coach is there was kind of a time, it was like a timeline of healing that when I was working with the women that, you know, I might've been working with them for a year or two years and they felt that they were in a really good place, confident. And I saw that beautiful transformation with them, that they felt confident. They were putting themselves first, that they were doing those things, that they were getting very solid on their boundaries, especially with their family members, which can be the hardest boundaries to have. And they would say to me, Martha, I, I think I, I think I want to date again, but I know that I don't want to date people who were like my ex-husband um, or, and then, oh, I haven't dated a lot of the folks I haven't dated in, in decades. Yeah. Where do I start? And so I do still work with divorced women, but it is divorced women who have already been on that healing journey. Because if I'm in an interview and I can tell that they still need that work, I'm happy to refer them to some incredible divorce coaches that I know, but I will not work with women if I know that they are not ready for the relationship for, for, for relationships yet. And so divorced women, I do work with them, but it is divorced women who are far enough on their recovery journey that they are ready for love. And they're just like, well, what is, what does that look like? You know, what, do, what, do, what do I need to do? Um, I want to learn how to date successfully. And so that's kind of the beautiful work that I do, not only with divorced women, but I work also with women who are uh, widows who have had a, you know, their, their, their husband's past. I also work with women who maybe were in their early to mid forties and beyond, or any woman who's, I, that's, that's the, that's the cutoff is you have to be over 40 to work with me. Um, and uh, women who maybe were just never married and they're like, you know what? I don't really even care about the marriage anymore, but I would love to have a long-term companion and partner, but they're just kind of in this weird world of, they don't want to do, they don't want to date like they're 25 anymore, but they're not, they don't really know if they want to do online dating. And when they've tried to go on to the dating apps, they just get very kind of cynical. They're like, I don't want to do this. I guess I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. And so that's the incredible work that I do in my ready for love group coaching program mm -hmm. is we actually look at getting very clear on what is it? Why are the reasons that you want to date again? And having to get actually have like the right reasons for dating again, looking at any possible limiting beliefs for self-sabotage that you could fall into and making sure that those holes are filled up before you date again, as well as getting confident and learning how to date in a way that's good for you, because not everybody is the same type of dater. And then we form the connection of how do we look at a dating strategy where you can date if you want to do online dating, fine, but how are ways that you can actually get out and not use apps and connect in real life? And yeah. so these are these kind of pro, this is kind of, so I think most of the women that I work with now are, I would say at least two to three years after their divorce. And they've taken that time to heal and work on themselves. And they're like, you know what? 
I want to, I want to see what's out there, but I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be scammed or I don't want to find someone who is a jerk like my ex-husband. And that's where they come to me. And we do that beautiful, we do that beautiful work to get them to date successfully and date from a healthy place so they can find the, the love of their life. So you've shifted from that. I, I imagine for doing so much, many years of working with women who are just going through a divorce, them crying. And <laughs> I imagine it was pretty heavy. And then now it's what you're doing with this group and they're already healed through, through that. It's a different experience for you as, as a coach. Well, yes. I mean, and to me, yeah, I guess I never saw it as, as heavy for me. It was just, I, I let us, let us do the healing. And that okay. is, you know, so I, I never saw, you know, that line of work as, as, a, as a coach and a healer. For me, it was just never heavy. It was just, well, this is just the sacred work we do. And okay. so it's interesting, though, because as a dating coach, it's not, there are times when it's still heavy, especially if they have not released those narratives that they're still operating on. Because as a dating coach, whether you're with, a, if your clients are older or younger, there's such a huge component with confidence and self-worth. And if you were an overachiever, and most of the women I work with are professional, high-performing professionals who are overachievers, who are chronic people pleasers. And so even if they are healed from that, from that marriage, there's still a component of, I don't want to the first rejection if a guy ghosts me or if I sleep with a guy and he doesn't text me back, I don't want that to self-sabotage and undo all the healing that I've done. And right. so it is fun. It's uplifting, but there is still that let us get you within that lane of maintaining your self-confidence and self-worth so you can date from a healthy manner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And before I let you go, I wanted to bring up one other thing. I know that you mentioned before uh, about, you know, the age of, of women. Sometimes we think over a certain age, oh my God, I'm, you know, 60, 70, yeah. 80, and I don't want to be alone, but it's how can I date? How can I start over with somebody else? How can I leave this person? If, if it, I've been with them 30, 40 years, some women mm -hmm. are leaving men after 40 years because they can't yeah. take the abuse anymore. And I, mm -hmm. and uh, I was talking to, a friend of mine who is a, actually a psychic and she said mm. because you know psychics get a lot of calls for love you know on love oh, of course of course I do uh, yeah. yeah so and you guys I do readings so if you need a reading a love reading you could always call me or contact me but but uh she said Marla because I was talking to her and I was so upset and I'm older but you know uh so she says, I have a client, a regular client who calls me for readings and she's mm -hmm. 80 years old and she's in a relationship with a narcissist. He's 85. He's still abusing her. She's miserable, but she's not going to leave at 80. You know, it's, she's just, it's too old. It's, she can't, she's stuck. And so this is how she's going to be ending her life is, is in mm -hmm. an abusive relationship. And she says, mm -hmm. you don't want to do that, that, you know, so mm -hmm. if it's okay, if you're 50, 60, 70, 70, you know, you can still, right. I mean, what's the, uh, you have had women in the seventies, right. That have, in the eighties. In, in the, the 80s, 80s. yeah, mm -hmm. because some of the ladies in the eighties are able and, and energetic and healthy and could leave some. Maybe right. right. I mean, and, and that, you know, that, that bears a little bit, little bit, little bit, you know, little, you know, a little bit of detour from the dating coaching, but what we look at is, you know, I'm, I'm not a mental health professional. I'm a coach. I'm, you yeah. know, heart centered coach, but for women, it doesn't matter your age. If you are in an abusive relationship for, if 
if any of these listeners are out here, please know that there are free resources and there are people out there who, you know, who can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if, you know, Marla, you include, you know, some of those, some of those resources, but even, um, if, if, if that is a situation that you, if anybody's in, just know that there are resources, regardless of your age to exit that probably one of the first ones that I would recommend is the national domestic violence hotline, um, to, to take a look at, because you, it doesn't matter your age, nobody deserves to stay in an abusive relationship. It doesn't matter if you've been in that relationship for 60 years. No, you deserve to get out and you will get out. It's not even to the point where you have to call a hotline, but it's just that, that, you know, verbal, you know, abuse, emotional abuse that you've been used to your whole life, that it's not going to, but it's, that doesn't, it's not a death sentence. Right. Right. But then that's the thing is I would, you know, I would offer, cause I've worked from, I've worked with clients from 19 to 88 um working with divorce as well as working with wow. dating yes yes yeah. and she's she's rocking it she's in chicago she's incredible oh. um but that is that is something that just because you have we as women have fought too hard and have come too far to have to stay in those relationships those relationships we we should never have had to stand in them anyway but when you would hear things much like think of your grandmother you know anybody's grandmother great grandmother that oh well in my day we would be married for 75 years but it's almost like well were you in that marriage for 75 years or whatever it was because you were not legally able to get your own bank account you couldn't even have your own credit card. You would get fired if you were pregnant. And so understanding that long marriage is not a success is not, that's not the metric. The marriage is a successful of a successful marriage is if you guys can grow together and there's love and respect and communication. That is the metric of a successful marriage or any successful relationship, because I know there's a lot of folks who just aren't into marriage and that's, that's fine. Um, but that is a marker of a successful marriage, not how long you've stayed together. Because a lot of times, if you see this, especially with, you know, generations before us, yeah, it was long, but who knows what that poor, what the poor women were dealing with in that relationship, but they had no recourse. They had no outlet. And we and, do and, now, so there's no not, excuse. And I would even say, you know, when you're out there dating and people ask, oh, what happened with your last relationship or how many, you know, people, maybe they've been married before twice three times maybe Uh, maybe you got married at at 19 and then you got married again at 30 and then you got married again Mm -hmm. at 50 some you know whatever and it's okay it's not a failure because you are growing you're not the same person Mm -hmm. that you were maybe you're not aligned anymore and you let each other go and you're on to your next adventure so never let anyone I would say never let anyone make you feel like oh well you can't even keep your own marriage together you can't keep it wasn't a success it was a failure I don't see it as that it's growing learning Healing, um, and so absolutely, I- and I think there's two things that one of the things that that I would that I would offer on that is that it's perfectly fine to to be, you know to be to to be remarried again or things like that. Something I would offer what I have seen with a couple of clients before they worked with me is they had been through maybe five or six marriages and they had never been single by themselves for more than a year. And so if you find yourself in a situation where you are going from from one man to the next, what I would kind of invite is to do, I would say a six month, don't, I think that is the most successful thing I've seen with clients. That is something that I have done for myself in the past is doing like not dating for six months Mm -hmm. and taking that time to focus on yourself, taking that time to figure out what what did I contribute to this, this relationship that what, you know, cause there are, you know, 
except except for like in cases of very abusive situations and that's not what we're talking about but when there are relationships that don't that don't end you know that 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 end you know poorly and then thinking well what did what did i do what could i have done better and not to like go and be revisionist history but hey next thing i know i want to communicate with a partner if something he says bugs me mm-hmm. i want to be more assertive in i don't really like when you do that or hey i really liked when you did that and so knowing that and really kind of being able to analyze that and work on what do I want? What do I really want? I know what I don't want. What do I not want? And and doing that and taking that beautiful work on yourself instead of just hurrying and jumping into another relationship, because you need to have that time and then you can go into another wonderful relationship. Yes. And so that's we, what I would offer folks. Absolutely. Even minimum six months, even a, a year is good. Just doing your body work, uh, mm-hmm. your pattern work your mind work all my body having fun and having fun with your friends having fun with yourself oh yeah there's so many things that you could get into that you can learn a new language or go travel or or, you know go to a wine wine festival or a street festival i mean so many fun things i did a lot of street festivals and and spiritual retreats if you can afford one of those oh my god they have to have them they take you there's all over the world. I went to one in Mount Shasta mm-hmm. in July and, and you just, you're taking it into the next level energetic. Take a hot bath or read a book. I remember going through my separation and, you know, we, it was how it was in the state of Virginia. I was in Virginia at the time. I think you had to be uh, separated for a year. And I think it's a lot of places before you can file. And in that time, like I went to pastry school. Um, mm-hmm. I became a pastry chef. I started my sommelier training, which is um the wine experts, mm-hmm. and uh, started to started to travel by myself. And you know, and I do understand a lot of folks maybe don't have those means to do all of the things. And I'm, I, I hate that whole eat, pray, love thing. But what I that what regardless of kind of where you are, you know, doesn't matter how much money you're making. You can go to the library and check out a good book for free. No, there's a lot of free things going on in cities and even just the farmer's market. Towns, whatever. Yeah. yeah, you can that you can really do. And um it's fun. So the halt so happy holidays, everyone, and and reach out if you need to 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 Martha. All of her uh, links are are in the show notes. And um also I'm a boundary coach and I have a new relationship, um blue new relationship group blueprint group coaching coming out for for the new year so get on our newsletters go to our websites they're all there and you've got a newsletter right martha absolutely so for anybody who's interested definitely head on over to marthabodyfelt.com and sign up for the free newsletter and in addition to that I have a private Facebook group called Empower Dating for Women that has great daily advice. It has completely free trainings that are going to kick your ass, but in a good way. And that is something that I'm really trying to build right now. So for any of the listeners who are on Facebook, we would love to have you over there as well as I think it'll be in the links. And I don't know if I've sent it to you, Marla, but I sure will. I have a new YouTube channel where we're just doing dating specific classes, master classes, completely free of charge. for learning how to date better at at midlife i love it what's the youtube channel called so it's that weird little number thing because i don't have like the oh actually yes i do i take that back it is at dating coach martha body felt i love it i love it and we're both on instagram so well all the links are there but um all right so connect with us we're here to help and Thanks for joining us. And thanks, Martha, for uh, being here again. Much love. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. If you love this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button.
For more inspiration and to stay connected, find me on Instagram at The Mystical Matchmaker or my website, marlamartinson.com. Much, much love and hope you have a mystical, magical day.